wins it. Oh, yes again for the fourth time tonight. Their number one goal getter, Gabe Clausen. from Bramlett and a shot and a score! Cody Glass starts the scoring and the Predators lead at home. He can be the hero against Daley Kiefer, the left-handed shooter coming in, ran out of room! Januzzi stops them! Hawks win their second best start! Franchise history. Welcome into Pucklandia. Uh, pleased to be joined by uh, frequent uh, guest, co-host, whatever you want to uh, title you want to sign to my friend Joshua Kreitzer with uh, the, with uh, PNW Hockey Talk. How's things treating you over there, Josh? Hey Chad, it's uh, it's good to be back on. Uh, I think we've used the term before, house band. Uh, but yeah, glad to be glad to be back. I know we've I've missed a couple of these and all that. But yeah, it's been it's it's been a busy time. I've kind of had to be away from covering the team for a little bit, but kind of got back into the swing of things here as the team went on their their Eastern uh, swing. But yeah, always great to to be chatting hockey with you. And I uh, hope you're doing well. Well, you know, not a not a pleasant topic, but you've already touched on it. I mean, you've had some some health issues, you know, and I know that uh, the listeners, you know, care about you and want want the best for for Josh, you know, out it, on ice, off ice, all, all of that. I mean, if if you've got any any updates or anything you want to touch on with that, we could we could talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I didn't give you know too many details, but also was getting a lot of questions, which I appreciate everyone who who reached out, including yourself. Of, you know, with me missing some time, you know, I, I had you know we'll call it a lower body injury for for a while there, uh, dealing with some with some foot stuff, and then um, then I shifted to an upper body injury if we're <laughs> if we're going to stay within our hockey terms. But uh, I, I I ended up with an ulcer uh, in my left eye. Uh, which, you know, per, uh, progressively got worse over the, the course of a, of a month or so, and uh, as a result, it you know made it really hard for me to to uh, cover uh, the Winterhawks and cover the Western Hockey League. And I, I made a, an attempt to come back for the for the Teddy Bear Toss, and I, w- I was sitting up on press row, and uh, you know, longtime listeners of this show will will, will remember the name Scott Sepich, and, and he was sitting there and. Uh, you know, I was joking with him of you know how great it was to be back in the rink, and Seattle comes out, and I was like, "Hey, Seattle's wearing black jerseys tonight. That's pretty cool." Like, and he goes, "Josh, those are blue, and that's the those are the jerseys they've been wearing for a while." It's <laughs> like, okay, uh, this is going to be an interesting night. Uh, I couldn't read the jumbotron. I couldn't read the jerseys. Uh, uh, I live tweeted the game, but that was basically I was just the. Uh, repeating what's what scott seppich told me uh that night so uh i had to kind of make the tough decision to to step away and kind of get the treatment and stuff that i needed and uh didn't quite get the result i was hoping for uh right now nothing's officially final yet but i've basically lost all vision in my left eye and which was my dominant eye uh so my depth perception is not the greatest right now as i go through some different things to try and transition to making my right eye my dominant eye but 
it's not been a not been a fun uh, end of 2022. Is but uh, as you know, calendar turned to 2023, I'm kind of hopeful. I'm trying to get used to my new normal. Uh, I'm excited to be back in the rink on, on Friday when the Victoria Royals come to town. But how I cover the Winter Hawks is, has had to change. How I've lived my life has had to change, and I'm trying to you know make that adjustment now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, life out, outside of the game, I mean, is is about, you know, trying to deal with, with what life throws at you and, you know, make adjustments. And, you know, you're not you're not final yet with, uh, you know, with this with this issue that there's still a little bit of, you know, a, a, a little bit of hope that you can come out of it. OK, right. Yeah, there's a little bit, um, you know, I guess the, the short version of that is. You know, they've they've told me I'm I'm not going to see out of my left eye again. Most likely, my cornea is basically deteriorated. Uh, not going too into specifics because I know eyes can can bother some people. Um, but uh, what kind of what, what we were leaning towards for a while, which was which was great, was that hey, you know, you're not going to be able to see out of your eye, but you're gonna we're not going to have to take the eye and go to a glass eye type of thing. Uh, last week, I got some of the unfortunate news that that. Um, it's probably not going to be the case now. I have to get a second opinion, and we'll, we'll figure out. Like you said, it's nothing finalized yet, but um, we're now trending towards they're going to have to take the eye and kind of make a little bit more of a permanent uh, decision there. But I'm going to get a second opinion, which is both you know my own choice, but also you know the doctor said they they won't operate or do that procedure until uh, you know a second independent you know ophthalmologist has had a chance to take a look. So that's not nothing final but it's also not trending in the right direction either yeah well again hopefully hopefully you know there's still time on the clock i guess you know to go back to the you know hockey analogy but hopefully uh hopefully you get you know better uh, we, we hopefully we stay away from the worst case anyway yeah that's that's the hope i you know right now i'd say we're down by four and we're pulling the goalie with about three minutes left it's been done before but it's not likely but at the same time you you got to give it a shot right i'm not going to just wave the white flag i'm i'm going to keep uh you know pushing forward i'm going to keep hoping for the best i've got a great support system that's been been helping me out through through all this uh yourself included in that and i, I just want to say a you know a public thank you for everything that you've done for me and uh being in my corner uh i haven't always been able to necessarily take you up on on all the offers that that you've given me but um, just knowing that I've got you know someone like you and and the fans and other people who've who've reached out to to offer different things, uh, just just a very appreciative of of the hockey community and um and and for you and and the friendship that we've built over the years. Well, and you're you're deserving of the support. I mean, that's you know the the, the reason we we bring it up on on a show about you know pucks and and, and goals and and body checks and not so much you know we're not you know a, a medical show about you know us but you know it's folks want to know and people are supporting you and and listeners of this show care about you just like you know i do or anybody else and so it's you know we that's why we get into this uh this discussion so far but yeah you know it's uh that being said we probably want to turn it to the main topic of the show yeah let's get to the toy department yeah that's that's a that's a nice uh it's a nice thought. So, I mean, where, 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 where do you want to start out with this, Josh? I mean, we've had the Eastern Swing, which is a pretty significant, you know, part of, of the Winter Rock season. We've had, 
uh, trade deadline, which was a very unique one here for the the Winterhawks. A couple of couple signings. I mean, what's a uh, kind of broad brush? Where do you want it? Where do you want to pick up on? Let's kind of start with the with the trade deadline and and kind of what Portland did and kind of also did not do at at the same time. And you know, I think you know, it, for for fans of this league, this was probably the the most wild. WHL trade deadline that's that's ever occurred. I, I at least that I can think of. You know, you've been around this league a lot longer than I have, but just the the amount of trades, the amount of picks, the amount of top end talent that moved. Uh, it started with with Seattle, and Seattle also didn't really ever stop. They just kind of kept making these massive moves, and uh, everyone knew that that Kamloops was going to make some moves to you know bolster their lineup with the uh, you know being the Memorial Cup hosts. And which left, what is, what are the Winterhawks going to do? And what is Mike Johnson going to do? And, you know, when I talked to him before the trade deadline, he mentioned that he wanted to you know, try and protect his, his first and second round picks as best as he could. Uh, for the most part, he's, he's, he did that. You know, there was, there was obviously the, the Isaiah Weisblatt trade that, that ended up, you know, not coming to fruition, but, you know, those picks were, were pretty far out. So, you know, he wanted to protect them for the next couple of years. Portland has them after, you know, their, their 2022 draft, the 2023 and 2024. So they'll have a couple of, uh, of top picks here um, now. And, you know, so, you know, they kind of did some things around the edges. But I think the biggest thing for, for Portland was getting, you know, Chaz Lucius. That's been a, a kind of that kind of that carrot that's kind of been dangled out there ever since he signed uh, with the Winnipeg Jets after his freshman season at the University of Minnesota. You know, Portland drafted him in, in the fourth round of 2018, and, you know, he elected to go the, the college route and, you know, ultimately ends up, you know, signing and, you know, was kind of getting into some games with, with, with the Jets and, or sorry, with, with the Moose there in the, in the AHL. And, and then he, he got injured and they sent him to World Juniors and, Next thing you know, he's helping Team USA win gold. Or, uh, I wish it was gold. What a bad slip up that is there. Uh, Help them win bronze. Excuse me, uh, with a hat trick in in that in that game. But you know, there was for him to to arrive in Portland was was pretty remarkable. And it goes back to the fact that Mike Johnson is not afraid to take swings on these types of players, knowing that you may get some, you may not get others, uh, and now he comes back and if you look at some of these these trades that that happened and what other teams had to give up for signed nhl talent you know seattle gave up you know this year they've given up nine picks in the first two rounds look at look at Kamloops; they gave up four picks in the first round two in the in the second round for 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 players that the winterhawks fans are familiar with and Nolan zelliger and and uh, ryan hofer and they Portland didn't have to give anything up. They just get to add this guy to to their lineup, and he's gonna he's gonna be that spark that that Portland probably needs. Uh, I'm pretty long winded there, but you know the, the couple of the other moves that, that they made were you know you know and Bodner was he was a player that was not gonna gonna play for the Winterhawks, but was signed. Uh, they moved him to to Everett. Sounds like he'll be their backup uh, going forward, maybe next year, and and then moving out uh, Dawson Pasternak, which was uh, to kind of make room for, for Chaz Lucius. And that that was a pretty big, big trade. Portland's going to have a, a log jam of, of overagers next year. And 
Pasternak kind of got caught up in, in a numbers game and with Mike Johnson electing to trade him now to, to Brandon, which is close to his hometown in Winnipeg, he was able to get a second round pick included in, in that in that trade. And so th- there was some value there for Portland for the future, but the Winterhawks w- will miss his, his ability and uh, th- that was kind of the, you know, a long-winded but also a summary of kind of what we saw from, from the Winterhawks. Yeah, I was disappointed to see uh, posture not go. I mean, a guy that, you know, had, had trouble with injuries and, and, you know, had a hard time getting, you know, getting going and getting established really. And, and, uh, it seemed like he took off and Brandon had a, had a assist in his first game goal in his third game, if I remember correctly. Somebody correctly talked him into to changing his number to uh, to Pasternak's number in 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 Boston. I thought that was pretty funny. I would uh, <laughs> seem like that was the, the 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 right move there. But you know, but but back to that Brandon game though. I mean, that was something I thought was really interesting. And you know, I'm listening to uh, well, I guess it's not Brandon Crow. I can't. Um, his name's escaped me. The 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 guy that's doing play by play for Brandon now this year, but. You know, talking about how the Wheat Kings have a, you know, reputation for, you know, not, you know, making a bunch of crazy trades. And I'm like, well, but they do, you know, thinking about, you know, all the the Kelly McCrimmon years. But, you know, the way that this league has, you know, a a, a cycle, has a, a generation, you know, Kelly's been gone for years. I mean, he was he was on the, I think, the inaugural staff of the... Uh, Golden Knights, which you know, kind of seems like just the other day, but it wasn't the other day. Like it's been several years now, like four or five years or whatever it is. And you know, you, you, to back to, uh, to to your piece, uh, Josh, that you wrote for for PNW Hockey Talk about this Winterhawks team being all, uh, you know, uh, drafted, homegrown, whatever you want, what phrase you want to use. And I guess they still are because they didn't really add anybody. And to think that it's the same it's the same kind of cycle that, you know, Johnson is known for, you know, going out and getting a, a Lucas Pisa and uh, a Matt Dumba, you know, even, um, you know, some of these guys, that, you know, and, and so you have this reputation, you know, built over a decade of going out and adding pieces, you know, and, and big, big fish, you know, the Je- Dennis Chalosky's of the world. And then you look at, you know, over the last you know, four or five years, which is kind of a generation this league, and, and they kind of haven't. So it's kind of, you know, it, both things can be true and, 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 and polar opposite, you know, in both cases of the of the Wheat Kings and, and the Winterhawks as far as how they've how they've built these rosters. And so I think a lot of us, you know, expect, you know, Johnson to go out and get, like, the big fish, and then, but that kind of isn't what they do nowadays. It's, it's you know what I mean? It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a Rorschach test in a way. Yeah, and you know, with with the cost of some of these of these players, you know, it, it's hard to go out and get the big fish every year because you have to give up so many different, um, you know, picks. To, and that's partially why you see Portland have so many guys that are not in the first or second round because they haven't had those picks, and they've had to make do with you know guys in, in the later rounds and and not maybe have some of the draft capital. But what set Portland apart from you know, look at what's happened with Edmonton this year after the, after they won the league last year. Look at how much you know Swift Current fell off. There's they're kind of back on the rise again, like you're talking about with, with the cycle. But Portland 
you know, after the the Hofer and Cholowski deals, they, you know, I think a lot of people kind of expected them to kind of move towards the the seller of the Western Conference. Um, you know, the basement, I guess, is maybe the better way, not in terms of seller actual sellers, but um, they they haven't they haven't they've managed to just reload as opposed to rebuild like you're seeing with some of these teams and it i i know i'll be curious amongst many others who are going to see what ends up happening with seattle and kamloops with just the complete all in and push that those two teams did and the number of picks and it's just some of these players when when portland has those first round picks they don't miss like these are just they're, they're so valuable um, when it comes to being able to um, kind of build your roster. And f- for for Portland, it's you're right. They they haven't done that. That's not Mike Johnson's style. He he really likes to sign players and, and keep them in, in his system as best he can. And you know, but at the same time, you have to be able to draft well and you have to be able to find these kind of diamonds in the rough. And, and I think you got to credit. The, the scouting staff for the Winterhawks and the job that Mike Coughlin uh, as the director of scouting and assistant to general manager has been able to do and to find these players and the list players, uh, you know, kind of, you know, obviously wasn't part of a, a, a trade, but, you know, getting Braden Jockums, uh, you know, he scores in a second Western Hockey League game as a list player and then got signed two weeks prior and comes in and ends up getting the game winning goal. Like, this is just it's just Portland finds these players. Luca Cagnoni is going to be a top two pick, a top uh, two round pick in the in the NHL draft coming up this summer. You just you have to find ways to 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 be good with without some of this stuff. And and Johnson and and his staff, to to their credit, have been able to do so. Yeah, I mean, o- over the years, I mean, you could you could open up a big a big long list of you know the the Paul Bittners and the Keegan Iversons and the 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 Alex Shaneborns of the world that you know were 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 passed over and you know no one at least nobody in the western league thought they could get and they find a a way to to, to get these guys under contract and 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 make significant con- contributions for for years i mean uh you know clay Hannes, you know was 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 yep. a guy like that that you know you got fi- 5 years out of him as 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 a list player and it'll be interesting to see, you know, assuming Bill LaForge rides it out up there in Seattle for a couple of years, you know, coming up, and he's going to be in that same boat that you're not picking till the the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round in, in some of these some of these drafts, and and there's players out there, and you can get them, and then it's the whole nature versus nurture argument too, that can you develop these guys into who you want? But I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a lot easier to do when you're when when you're picking Cody Glass in the first round. Exactly, and you know when I was talking to Mike Coughlin for for my piece on the on the homegrown, you know he he mentioned of you know kind of those those first round picks are those are the elite players that, that you know for the most part you don't miss. I think Mike Johnson threw out the stat that it's like seventy percent go on to be you know whatever the air quote is of you know good WHL players. It's about seventy percent. So whatever that your definition of good is, I guess that he has, but but that number starts to really drop off after, after you get there. And, you know, guys like Marcus Newen, you know, Coffin was saying about how they have all the talent, but maybe not the consistency or the speed or the size or, um, you know, whatever it, it might be, there might be something that, you know, needs to, to get developed. And, 
you kind of start to move further and further away from from the sure things when you're not picking in, in the top portion of the draft. You're picking players that are, you know, maybe leaning towards the college route, and you're going to have to try and do your best to try and sway them. Like Robbie from Delorme, that was part of the reason why why he was, you know, a later pick was because he was leaning the college route, and you know, the the Winterhawks were able to kind of take a flyer on him and convince him of the program and what they're able to do and you know now you've got a player like him who's you know Johnson didn't give up on when you know he's been here for you know a, a significant amount of time and you know talk about a player who's kind of battled some unfortunate injuries as well and you know by sticking with him you know it's starting to pay dividends now and there were some a lot of things to like about him in his draft year but he ends up falling to the seventh round and that's just where you can find some of these players and like you're talking about, you have to be able to develop them and that nature versus nurture would, you know, what other teams have given from DeLorme the same runway that, that Portland has. And, you know, for the most part, Johnson doesn't like to bench his players when they make a mistake. And, you know, he likes to roll four lines and three D pairs as long as he can. And there's going to be obviously situations and, and individual uh, moments when, when a benching is, is the, the right approach, but it's not one where, uh, you know, I remember one of the some of the you know conversations I had over over the years with Dennis Williams and Matt Odette off the record, and of just of that. Yep, this guy's going to have some time to to think about you know what happened. And Johnson just doesn't seem to kind of operate that way. And um, you know, to each their own. They've you know that's why there's different levels of success and different coaches and different styles that work for different players. So uh, it it can go out in, in a wide variety of different directions. Yeah, like these these conversations can go off in a, a lot of directions. You give me you give me a lot to 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 pick from there. I mean, you know, you mentioned rolling four lines. I mean, the the, the last game that they played as of this taping was uh, in Regina against Bedard, and yep. I don't know how many times I saw, you know, the Budazoni Nick Nicholas Johnson line out there against the 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 best player in in, in all the major junior. And it seemed like they weren't even really trying to get away from that. And I thought that was really – did you pick up on that? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I know they, they tried really hard to, to have Jack O'Brien match up against against Bedard as, as best they can. It's obviously harder to, to control some of that when, when you're on the road. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's also – you know, Johnson wasn't afraid to um, – let some of those guys have that opportunity because it's going to make them better for it down, down the line. And, you know, f- for me, I, I would say, you know, for Bedard to, I don't know if they went back and, and fixed some of his assists afterwards, but uh, cause I was kind of surprised they took one, one away from him at, at one point. Um, but he, you know, the, the breakaway that, that he had uh, when he got his goal uh, was when Jack O'Brien was not on the ice. And, uh, but you, but you're absolutely right. These are um, these are situations that players like Budazoni and Johnson are going to be better for uh, because not often are you going to go up against a, a number 98 of the world. Well, and, and and to be fair, I feel like that game had long stretches between whistles, yes. and yep. you know, which is also going to be harder to control. You know the, the the line matchups, and you're on the road and, and everything else. But I, it seemed like it, it just it just seemed like it was something that it jumped out at me. You know, it seemed yeah. like that, and 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 in some ways, I mean, yeah, and I don't know what 
we don't track minutes in this league. I don't know if Bedard's playing 25, 30 minutes a night or, or, or what, but so eventually everyone is going to get a turn, but it's, it, but it did seem like, you know, the, that MJ was committed to, you know, playing, playing his depth and, and, and using, using all four lines. And I kind of, I commend that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, as, as I've been long winded, we've kind of gone all over the place here, but, you know, kind of, you know, you kind of touched on it on, on the Eastern swing. What, you know, not to play, you know, host on you, but what what did you make of, of the Eastern swing? And maybe let's just start at the Regina game before I even do that of kind of that unfortunate ending, you know, from a Portland perspective. And, you know, I guess get get your thoughts on, on how that game ended. Well, I mean, I was, uh, I was, I was pretty upset about that goal. I mean, it's, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's hockey wide. It's not Western uh, Western League problem. It's not a particular whoever's working that game problem. It's not a AHL NHL. I don't know you. I, I don't. I don't follow a lot of NCAA. You do. Maybe they have this issue there too. It, no one knows what goalie interference is. No one will ever, maybe ever know. It. It. To me, that seemed like a good goal. You. You go down, you know. They got defense and pushed him in. I mean, you know, for I I commend you for putting up the video. That was that was good work. I had something I had to do right after the game. I didn't get a chance. I would to, to look at any of that stuff. Um. And 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 that's and that's frustrating. But I I don't know. It 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 seems like they they had the, the chance to tie, but that. The, the as far as the, the the whole trip I mean what was really interesting from my standpoint was just the fact that Seattle was making the same journey at the same time and so it was a really interesting you know six games two weeks whatever however you want to look at it as far as you know it's it's awful early to be scoreboard watching but we are you know I mean you're trying yep. to trying to see like you know that that one that and with Kamloops sitting where they're sitting, I mean, it's it's either you're either the one seed or the three seed, and that's and that's pretty interesting. And so watching watching Seattle make that same trip, you know, the, playing at the you know five, five o'clock our time in, in all those games. I mean, it was that was it just it, it was it was kind of fun to watch, honestly. Yeah, and it was it was nice to see different teams, hear different players, you know, see some of these different rinks and some of the different barns that these teams are are playing in. Um, but you're absolutely right, and you know both. I think Portland and Seattle, you know, left without as many points as, as they would have liked, or maybe projected when 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 they departed the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, from from my spot on on watching that that Regina game, uh, you know, I, I think the part that kind of baffled me the most was the referee who was who was right who was right there, who seemed like he was in perfect position, isn't initially signals goal. And then the four officials come together and they talk and they end up, you know, deciding that it's that it was not a goal. And you know, our we got an assist from from Andy Kemper and looking at at the rules and goaltender interference is not something that's challengeable or can go to video review in this league. So, um, you know, I appreciate him helping us out on on some of that that there. So, which means that you know they obviously could go, you know, take take a look at it. Um, which which you can in, in some of these other leagues of taking a look and, and determining. So at some point, they saw enough to, to change their opinion without looking at a video. 
and I, I think that from if you're Portland is is probably the part that stings the most is that you know the guy who who called it who saw it initially had had signaled goal and um, but you know that who knows what you know it's butterfly effect at the, at this point but you know that's it you know they're coming home with with one less point than, than they would have you know guaranteed and and you never know what 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 can happen in three and three or in the shootout but you know i just i think that you know that left a sour taste in everyone's mouth the team then you know departs right from regina to to make it back and it was you know they basically drove straight back you know they would they'd stop and make their changes and and you know, bus driver changes and stuff like that, but it was almost a near 24 hours before they rolled into the VMC, and that's that's a long time. And the most recent thing you have on your memory is that you know you just go from that high of tying the game to having it kind of I don't want to say stolen from you, but just taken away, I guess. And th- that has to, you know, we'll we'll kind of see some of the the you know how Portland responds to to that uh, that adversity, and you know, it's that second period kind of got away from him. I think they they did a pretty good job on Bedard in the first, and and as he as he can, he's a game breaker. And there was that stretch that that uh, the Pats just kind of took back over, and Portland had the lead, and and what seemed like a blink of the eye. Next thing you know, they were chasing the game again. Yeah, that was definitely something I wanted to to touch on. I'm glad you brought it back to that with just the the mechanics of of that call and yeah it didn't go to video review but it went to you know audio review and and that's just a weird procedure i mean i i like the idea the 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 puck over the glass right and you know say what you want about you know dumb rule whatever i like it how it's pretty much standard issue now that we get together we get all four you know officials together what do you see, you know? And I think that, you know, you're going to have a better outcome on getting, you know, that call right. And But the puck over the glass is, is, is a black and white. It's an absolute. It's, it's, not, it's not up interpretation, you know, whereas, you know, did, did the defenseman, you know, shove Chazowski into the, into the goalie? And if he did, did that have anything to do with the puck going in? And I have strong opinions on that particular play, but to get together and I don't know what discussion you can have without the aid of an iPad or the or the jumbotron or whatever. And and you can't tell me they weren't peeking on the jumbotron. So it's it's they're they're human beings. If they're showing the replay, you're gonna look. So then what is it? So now it's quasi you know video review. Like I don't know. I mean, if fortunately you know it's not a playoff game, it doesn't. You know, it, it's not that big of a kick in the balls, but it it, it, it does feel like it. I mean, and we, you know, we talked about Chaz Lucius and and uh, briefly and and uh, and World Juniors. I mean, in some ways that that lopsided loss that the, the Americans took in the round robin might have been one of the best things for them, and the Canadians too, right? We, yep. And and so, you know, having 24 hours to of, of drive time to to stew on that. I mean, we, they haven't they haven't seen uh, taken on an opponent yet. I mean, it'll be Victoria on Friday and and uh, Lethbridge on Saturday as we record this. But you know, maybe maybe they can take that into the and in, in, in mold it into uh, a, a motivation. I mean, you know, the longtime 
fans remember the, the 2013 season as far as you know us against the world and and they rode that train all the way to the to to lead championship so i wonder if they can you know kind of harness some of that that frustration and 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 make it into something positive yeah and it's you know you, you talk about facing adversity and you, you want to get some of these tests and you know what better you know coaching opportunity and development opportunity for for these players to you know kind of go through something like that and it's okay it's in the past it happened There's nothing we can do about it now and let's move forward and and make sure that you you put your best foot you know in front of the other and he, you know they come out firing on on friday night because i'll tell you you know at, at the start of the year i think they're you know and, and even up until till recently i think you know you know victoria hasn't hasn't necessarily been one of the best teams in the league, but right now they're playing about as good as anybody else right now. So, you know, if the Winterhawks think they're just going to roll into Friday and just, you know, steamroll Victoria and not have to work, they might be in for for a little bit of a, a rude awakening, but th this is a this is a good opportunity. You know, the, the Eastern Swing brings that, that chance to kind of bond and you know, you spend that much time in close proximity to each other, you're probably also probably sick of each other at that point too when, when you're in that much of a confined space and wanting to sleep in your own bed or, you know, as much of your own bed as it is, you know, when you're in a billet home, but uh, different than, you know, being, you know, out of the prairies. Yeah, I mean, Victoria is really interesting. I mean, and, and we're going to see them here, you know, shortly after the, deadline and and I, I know the the natives are restless on the island they they uh they're frustrated with with uh the way they've been playing the way they've been losing games they want more action they want you know they wanted some uh more of a sell job they didn't really sell off much you know they brought in you know Braden Holt and he's been playing really well and they got their uh euro um what a uh, check, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Czech or Slovakia, I can't remember what his. Yeah, we're we're Slovak we're yeah. both we're both of the age that it was one country at one point, but uh, um, but yeah, and so people, the natives are restless, and I'm kind of keeping an eye on it. And I'm like, well, why didn't they sell off? But you know, now that you got a goalie on a hot streak, and you add you know a, a player of world junior caliber of a of you know of a good you know uh, national team well that could be enough to to make a difference i mean as bunched up as yep. the, the 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 tail end of the the western conference is like who knows i mean they it, you wouldn't have to go on much of a run to to get up you know in the you know seventh holes sixth hole maybe you, and so that's that's a really interesting you know team right now to to, to see you know coming to the glass palace here on friday night on uh on where's waldo night so it'll be interesting yeah. to 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 see what what Victoria does. I'm I'm kind of I'm I I kind of have a hunch that maybe they're gonna be good on the second half and and maybe try to you know quiet some of the critics out there on the island. Yeah, and they they had long stretches last year too where they you know they couldn't win a game for an extended period of time. I think I don't know the stat, but I mean they had double digit losing streaks I think twice, but they you know that ended up just barely missing the playoffs, but. You know, right now they're they're right there. When you look at the last ten games, you know, seven two zero and one. That's that's the best. Actually, when you look at the Western Conference, that's the best record in the last ten. And 
you know, one of the other players they got back was Gannon Larock. You know, you talk about a player that, you know, probably was, you know, rumored to, to move. Uh, you know, lots of names that were out there. And, you know, Victoria had, you know, I think they had done like seven different trades throughout the year already. So they've kind of been changing their roster. But, you know, Jake Poole has, you know, quietly... Um, in, t- in terms of, you know, overall been kind of putting up, you know, these, these really good numbers after, after coming over, you know, from Kelowna. I think he's got um, like just over 40 points. I don't remember exactly how many he had in when he w- played against his former team in Kelowna, but he, you know, he's playing really well for them. You know, the Scannon Larock, he's a signed pick from, from San Jose. He's put up, you know, points in, in, in a lot of his games since he returned from injury. And, you know, when, when you're Dan Price, the, the head coach and general manager of, of the Royals, you look and you see what, what, what happened with Kelowna and Kelowna's decision to sell. And you, you all of a sudden go, okay, well, they've moved out Doc, and you really only have to catch one team. And can you, can you add enough to, to kind of close the gap? And Kelowna's, you know, been in a free fall. And I think, you know, Kelowna still got a couple games at hand on him, but last I saw after after Victoria beat him, I think the, it was down to a, a one point uh, difference in the standings. So, and, and that can make a difference for for fans and for players to to get in. Uh, you know, look at look at the experience Prince George gained last year, even though they got swept in the first round, they'll be better off for that. And you know, from a business standpoint, you know, you guarantee yourself two more home games, and a lot of times that you know that can be close to. Not depending upon the attendance, it's probably at least over fifty thousand dollars that you're going to bring in for your organization, and that goes a long way in, in junior hockey. So, there's you know if you're Victoria and you're, the fans out there, like you say on the island, that you know I think there's you know could you you know at the prices you know maybe do you miss out on maybe getting something for Larock, but a lot of the players had kind of already been dealt, and some of the major contenders had kind of played their hand and some of those kind of in that second ring are like, let's just kind of stand pat and let's, let's let the, you know, Winnipeg's Seattle and Kamloops, you know, spend and, you know, we'll, we'll take our chances and, and, and try and fill the void next year. And, but, you know, for Victoria, I'm real curious to see what, what kind of team uh, they're going to be in the second half. Well, and, you know, I'm going to talk at cross purposes here, but I mean, what, what would, what would it would have taken to get Jake Poole out of there, you know, and and bring him into uh, you know a, a very good Western Conference team with an overage spot open, you know, hypothetically. But yeah. at the same time, they can't afford to give him up because he's got all they have, you know, and and they still got to put the puck in the net, you know, regardless, you know, after deadline, before deadline, whatever. And again, if you're Portland, you decided to go for you know, see if you can uh, finagle a first-round NHL draft pick as an overager and leave Jake Poole alone. But you know, that's kind of you know, in 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 any aspect of life, hockey or or not, you know, you're trying to to take the the safer bet, or you're trying to, to swing for the fences, and you know, and they they went they went with uh, with Plan B on that one. But but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see you know again what 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 uh, Victoria ends up, you know, doing from here on out. And I, th- I kind of feel like, like they have a little bit of runway to work with. Yeah. You know, I know Portland was, was working the phones and, you know, from kind of talking with some of my sources over, you know, over the 
couple days leading into the into the deadline and you know they were kind of exploring different different things out there and you know with, with some of the prices i know they were trying to kind of guard that and, but you know i know that at one point they were they were in on looking at at, at hofer and trying to bring him in and then uh when cam loops up their uh their offer johnson was quick to i believe pull out of that those deals but uh yeah uh, you know jake Poole, he he moved he got caught up in, in the numbers game earlier uh and got moved to to victorian his overage season and i believe he was an eighth round pick uh you know at over the summer and obviously increased his, his draft stock and yeah, it will be it will be interesting to see that you know Portland unless something happens like with a waiver wire, that's really the only way that they're going to get um, an overage player to come in. I know Edmonton picked up someone out from one of the other leagues that that slipped through, but yeah, other than that, Portland is it's uh, again because I think last year they only had um, two overagers as well, um, so that they're going to leave uh, you know one of those kind of three spots open. That that will be. Um, real curious to, to see how, how they do yeah which is which is interesting I I didn't uh, I, I, I guess I didn't know they were in on uh, on Hofer that's 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 pretty juicy that's I, I like that I mean you yeah. know the, the Everett is uh, situation is just so fascinating to me because they were right there you know as a legit contender in the division and until their coach and best best player in uh in that defenseman uh walked away for for world juniors and then he thought you, you mentioned you know a free fall earlier with uh Kelowna. well that that's i mean i i couldn't believe how hard ever ever cratered you know once they didn't have zellweger or or uh you know their coach i mean it's it was really fascinating to me and now they're just and also ran right there in the middle of the pack when when they were had a really good season going. I mean, kind of what's your what's your what's your take on the on the, the situation the Silver Tips have found themselves in? Yeah, they. I think they they found themselves in a in an unfamiliar territory. Um, you know, they're a team that also doesn't really like to to sell off their pieces. And you're spot on. They they were pretty cemented right there, and were were, were playing really well. And and then you know you said you know, when you lose you know I, I'm not afraid to say that I think Selwiger is the best defenseman in the Western League and he was you know by all accounts I know we you know th- they don't uh, publicize the number of minutes played but I know the teams track it and I've got a pretty reliable source that told me he was averaging between 30 and 32 minutes a night for the silver tips so uh, which you know that's a that's a big loss and you talk about how Portland's approach earlier of, of rolling four lines and three D pairs. Well, when you've got a defenseman that's playing 30, 32 minutes a night, that means there's a lot of players that aren't playing. And so now all of a sudden they're into an elevated role that they haven't had before. And, you know, it wasn't uncommon for, for Zellweger to, to play the full two minutes on a power play or a minute 40. Well, you take him off and now you got guys in different spots, it changes your look, it changes everything about it. And, you know, I, I don't think they maybe initially had intentions of selling, but when when Kamloops comes to you with that offer for those picks, they've massively, you know, um, increased their 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 rebuild and their their reload time, and 
you know, Ryan Hofer is was probably he's right there with with Fromm Bjorn, but I'd probably give the edge to Hofer as being, you know, the best net front guy at least in the Western Conference, and he's a guy who can play in in all situations. And and you know, Kamloops said, you know, we really value this guy. Let's 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 up our offer, and and it, it went from this, you know, kind of Jake Poole, Ty Day off, you know, some of those kind of names that are out there of kind of less expensive you know there's some guys out in prince albert that were being looked at a couple guys in brandon uh that i know were kind of being explored for for portland but that everett making those moves is difficult for that organization for those fans especially like their second game after the trade deadline is to see them right back in their their barn as as the visitors now uh, it, it's, it's tough for, for those you know up north on I five there, but I think those picks are either going to turn into some really high end players, or when the void that Seattle and Kamloops most likely you know have going forward, they're going to be able to kind of fill that void with and make those picks down the line and and, and use those to to bring in some top talent. So they're they're in they're in kind of a, a tricky spot you know you mentioned that the brain holt and you know they swapped with with tyler palmer and victoria and just which was also kind of a weird trade of just a true one for one and you know both guys seemed like they were kind of having decent uh starts with their new team and i, I don't really know what to to make of everett you know i think they they were pretty pretty clearly when they had home for in zelviger they were pretty clearly the the number four team um, you know, had they uh, not traded those players, and and when Dennis Williams and Zellweger come back from World Juniors, I think it, it would it would make sense that they would probably you know stay in that in that spot. But now, you know, you look at Tri City and you look at Prince George; they're all kind of just clumped in right there. Vancouver's right there. They you know they sold off a big piece in Zach Ostopchuk. So, you know, I think kind of the, the the three that are kind of going to vie for that home ice in the first round. You know, in Everett, Tri City, and Prince George, all of a sudden, I don't think Everett's the favorite for that spot anymore. Yeah, no, I'm with you on all all all, all points. I mean, you know, and come back to to Jake Poole. I mean, and you think about, you know, let some of these more less expensive pieces that you know could have been available. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't. Again, it's 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 long in the past now, but I don't think that MJ gets enough credit for the year bringing in Sean Dosange and Matt Ravel. I thought that those yep. were, you know, the perfect pieces to add at the time for, you know, cost of acquisition. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many, how many uh, folks in, in Prince George are listening to this particular episode, but sorry, you know, I mean, they had, I mean, that was, that was their year yep. and it, it, it didn't work out. You know, it didn't, it didn't. They didn't get the results they wanted, and then they're back to the drawing board. But, you know, and so I kind of wanted to see that kind of, you know, low risk, high reward. I, don't know, I guess low risk, medium reward, whatever, whatever you want to phrase it. You know, acquisition for for kind of a lower cost. But at the same time, you look at this team that you know, well, now they now they have eight losses on the year. Just the other day they had four. You know, and you say, well, what do they need? I mean, like they're they're playing well. Actually, Josh, this is the thing I really want to drill down to, and 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 you can you can weasel your way out of this one if if you don't feel comfortable. But 
you know you're you're in the building you're you're close to you know some of the decision makers on this team what did they think they were gonna have this year like coming into the season you know I mean we, we talk about you know what, what were their expectations I mean we talk about you know Johnson he's known for you know what do we add at 20 games what do we add at American Thanksgiving what do we add at you know Christmas you know as far as you know these he's points of the season where they make the evaluations what do you think they thought they were going to have this year and what like what were their expectations coming into the season i mean did they surely didn't expect to be as good as they are did they i don't think so i think if if they were honest with themselves i, I think they expected to you know not be a be one of the top you know teams and being rated in the you know chl you know top 10 you know, for for much of the year, I, I don't I don't think anyone was expecting that. But there was a lot of question marks coming into the the team, and and was going to kind of have to rely on uh, that natural development and and what you're gonna what you're gonna have, and and kind of just gonna see what happens. I think everyone was expecting Seattle to to be where they are and to kind of be the favorite, and Portland knew they were probably going to be second fiddle and kind of be battling with with Everett and. You know they've gotten you know some pretty good goaltending from from Januzzi and from Delorme kind of took that next step that I think everyone was was waiting for. So that they've had some of their you know they've got a decent crop of 19 year old forwards. Um, I, I don't think they were expecting to get the type of production out of Carter Southern. Uh, I know they were they were high on him, but you know I think he's probably arrived a, a year ahead of, ahead of time of of what they were expecting in terms of his level of play and. Um, you know, I, I think guys have just kind of outperformed those initial expectations, and uh, there's you know there's been a got, couple guys who've gotten off to a little bit slower of a start than than they would have hoped for. I know James Stefan was kind of had these pretty lofty goals set, set uh, you know after you know scoring 34 last year, and you're starting to see him pick up some some points again and and kind of be a threat, but just. You know, I don't think they were expecting to be a top team, but I also don't think they were expecting to, you know, be fighting in the seven, eight, nine spot either. Um, you know, there was some questions around, you know, is Tyson Kozak going to come back? That got shut down pretty quickly. Um, but they knew that they were going to be this team that had to score by committee, and so when they knew that identity right away, I think that helps when you have to score by committee when you have guys that are. Um, kind of those top players like like across Hannison and Jaden Darrow, um, and even that that's kind of a kind of that next step down and of in terms of game breakers compared to like the Seth Jarvis and Cody Glasses of the world, but they kind of expected that like all right this is we're gonna see what we have we're gonna kind of roll and just kind of hope these guys can take that next step and kind of coach these guys up and sure enough they they've done that but. I don't know if I'm answering your question well enough for you, but I think I, I think they're ahead of where they expected to be, but not by anything crazy. I, I don't think they were expected to have the best start in franchise history. I can tell you that much. That was uh that was quite the start. Yeah, no, I mean it's just and I guess I don't know hundred percent what I'm even asking, but it just seems to me like if you're you know, you're like obviously they're expecting to win games that's what they do you know and when 
a season like they're having kind of falls in your lap kind of unexpectedly, then what what's your mindset like what how does that change your approach are you like well let's roll the dice and see what we got because we're already exceeding expectations or is it you know man if we just had this fancy defenseman if we did you know if we just had you know another an, an, another scorer which you know i mean every team in in every league in in, in the history of of the game is needed another defenseman another scorer right so you know i just kind of wonder like are you are you the 93 Islanders and you're just kind of happy to be there? You know what I mean? Like with, with, yep. with, with this unexpected success or is it a thing where, and, and obviously they, you know, the, the, we know how the poker game played out or is it, man, we got this thing cooking. Like we really need to try to try to do something here. But again, we compared this trade deadline a lot to the, uh, the 2018, you know, out east with uh, with Regina's uh, Swift Current and uh, oh my God, the other team is Casey Musho, maybe who like really had to load up, and 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 those teams were largely decimated after that. So, and and we're probably going to see that you know from Seattle and and Kamloops as time goes on, and so maybe maybe it's a thing holding on to those picks. I mean, you know, I I don't want to say you conceded the you know you you, you gave up. On, on the year and you know on january 10th but maybe the next three four or five years you know if you're if you're playing seattle 12 times a year i mean those are those points are going to add up you know exponentially yeah and i think you know for them you know i i don't want people to lose sight of the fact of because it wasn't a trade but getting Chaz lucius is a you know splashy pick that's a that is a massive ad for them just absolutely massive so they are getting that top scorer like i i think the expectation for lucius you know it'll take him a couple games to get going and, and kind of get used to the western league and it's very different than the hl it's very different than ncaa even but lucius has been one of the top players in his age group when he's played against them he's he's struggled a little bit when it's been against bigger stronger guys but i, I think the expectation for lucius after he kind of gets up and going is going to be in that minimum point and a half per game player. And that's a big change for Portland. And getting him in here, I'm really curious to see what that's going to change the makeup of this team because they now do he's not a Seth Jarvis, right? But he's he's a dynamic player. This this kid can shoot a puck and this kid can make plays and he's he's kind of going to be similar to like a Kiefer Bellows with maybe a little bit better skating. Uh, I don't think that's that harsh of a thing to say. I think a lot of people knew that about Bellows, but uh, he's going to have that type of impact where he's now, especially on, on this year's Portland team, he's going to come in and he's going to move to that top line and he's going to play top minutes and now they have a game breaker, something they haven't had for the first 39 games of their season. And I think that's going to change the look on their power play. I have to imagine that Kyle Gustafson is licking his chops, being able to, all right, how can we how can we use this guy? How can we take advantage of the one-timer that he has and his vision and his you know, playmaking? And so I think that's really going to help them. Um, but you're right. It's this, I also don't think that there was anything they could have done on January 10th to become a favorite against Seattle. 
even if Seattle doesn't trade for Gunther's rights or even trade for, for Colton Dock, I don't think there's any move that they could have done. I don't think if they bring in a stop check, they're all of a sudden going to be favored against Seattle. I, I, I don't think that's there, there isn't anything that on paper that they could have done. You know, there's a reason they still play the games, right? Just look back to Prince George. I don't think anyone had him, you know, winning four games, let alone maybe two in that series. And so, you know, they they play the games on the ice, but I, I don't think it was the hey, let's let's help our team if we can. And I think that's why you saw the Wiseblatt deal, okay? You know, and all the conditions that are there, and we're not going to give up these picks unless he comes. And if he comes now, okay, now you got you had two NHL first round picks to to your to your lineup. But if he doesn't, there's no harm, no foul. And I think that's one of the things, too, that just want to call out, you know, because I know that Portland was in on Gunther's rights. And they there was there was talk and what that was going to look like. And when, when Edmonton said, you have to give us at least a fourth-round pick regardless, Portland Johnson was like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. Not going to happen. Because they didn't want to give up something for the potential of swinging for the fences. And with the Wiseblatt deal, they it, it's like nothing ever happened. He's not coming here. Portland doesn't give up any of the three picks. Nothing happens. And I don't think there was anything that was going to be done to, to change that. And so what you also want to do then is say, okay, if we're not going to do anything that's going to ultimately change that, and we can kind of look at our players and reward them and say, hey, yep, you know, we believe in you guys. Let, let's go, and this is the group we want to go to battle with. Here we go. Without also impacting their ability for next year's team and two years down the road to say, "Hey, we could be the favorites next year or the year after that." When some of these players start to take their next steps. So, um, ultimately, I I think Portland did the right thing in in not swinging for the fences, not making these splashy moves, other than you know get really excited about seeing number 51 on the ice because I, I think I think Winterhawks fans are really going to like this player. Well, and, you know, and, and part of that too is, you know, they've they've been winning uh, at, configured as they are, obviously, and, and you're not screwing with the chemistry, you know. I mean, it, 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 the, least, the least amount that, that you could disrupt it. I mean, they've, you know, they, they've added two guys that they signed and they didn't even technically trade for anybody right you know they they signed they signed uh, a, a couple of guys one that they had just listed one that they had drafted years ago and and so you're still homegrown you're still you know your own guys and so i mean that was a thing you know it's an extreme example probably but the, the you know the 2013 saskatoon you know blades that they just kept throwing guys throwing guys throwing guys in there and and you know, did they ever gel? Did they ever mesh? Did they even, did they even get to know each other? And so it's a, it's a thing where you've you've added a yeah first round pick and and that was and that was the thing I wanted to touch on too with with you Josh. You follow the NCAA. You know you know these things as good as anybody. I mean, you know a, a, a first round pick in in Chaz Lucius first round NHL pick who, you know, and the last time he saw the ice, he scored an overtime hat trick in a World Junior medal game. I mean, that's a what, what, what's what's he worth in relation to, you know, uh, uh, the uh, the Zellweger trade? What, what what's he worth in relation to the the the, the Brad Lambert trade? You know, what I mean, like he, uh, to yep. me, like 
you know, it's is just as comparable as any of these guys that gave up, you know, multiple first rounders. What 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 would Ches Lucius go for in the in the OHL, right? I mean, he he's that caliber of player, correct? Yep, he is 100 100%. I think you get, you know, if Portland would have, you know, had to trade for Lucius, you're looking at minimum with what Vancouver got back from Zach Ostopchuk, which is three first round picks and a later round pick and, and you know some prospects and, and maybe a roster player. Um, he wouldn't fetch what, what a Zellwigger would, fe- would fetch. That trade is so hard to know because Kamloops obviously had to pay, overpay. Um, I think he would fetch more than, than Brad Lambert, personally. Um, I, I think Lucius is a better player, um, especially on, on the de- defensive side of, of the game. Uh, you know, Lucius is... Uh, you know that type of that type of player. I think he would have gotten more than, uh, you know, a, a first and, and two seconds, which is what Portland gave up for Wiseblatt. You know, I think um, in, in terms of that, he's just he's that kind of player that he would be a tremendous cost if you wanted to add him if he was playing in the Western League right now. And um, you know, I had some people, you know, sliding into the mentions in the DMs, you know, saying why doesn't Portland just, you know move Lucius out well there's the you know there's there's a bunch of stuff to that question obviously it's you know they they want a player like that and two that there's some things about um you know when it comes to you know what the the NHL team wants and whether or not they feel that you know it's gonna where it's best for for a player to to go play and whether or not they actually send him back but you know Lucius would have been quite quite the cost um less than Zellweger probably a little bit on par with those top check uh, but more than Lambert if that answers your question well and and to back you up on you know if you know if Portland was to 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 move on Lucius that's, that's, yeah I mean Winnipeg has agreed to send Lucius to Portland just like they agreed yep. to send Brad Lambert to Seattle yep there's a reason that no one is sending their NHL drafted players back to Edmonton at the moment. That's why Luke Prokop got sent back to juniors after his rights were traded to Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. It's Exactly. Exactly, right? yeah. Because they didn't want him playing in Edmonton, but they're okay with him playing top minutes in Seattle. Exactly. 100%. And, and you know, that the, the brief, uh, you know, dream of the 90s, you know, uh, that's a, a Portlandia reference, you know, of, uh, you know, sending... Uh, Ozzy Weisblatt down to juniors. Well, they're not going to send him to, Pr- uh, to Prince Albert. There's no reason to. Right. But they yep. maybe would have sent him to Portland. You yep. know, and so it's the same kind of thing. Like you know, Win- Winnipeg has agreed, you know, to to send him to send him here and and not to yeah. you know Prince uh, Prince exactly. George or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That, so for people who've asked about that, there was I don't want to say zero because nothing's zero, but it was as close to zero as possible well you know the the type the type of people that that listen to the show are probably familiar with you know the uh leon dreisaitl trade where you know craig mctavish of the edmonton oilers traded him from pa to Kelowna during the world juniors which that you can't do that you can't do that you can't do that and it was very controversial because you know why does the Oilers get a pick where he plays, and you can't trade a guy dur- during the tournament, and that happened too. And it worked out for for Kelowna, and I'm I'm happy for him, and they won the championship that year, and 
and had a you know pr pr pretty good you know pretty good series against the uh, Winterhawks in the third round. But I mean, these are the kinds of the the point to bring up not to, not to go back to the controversy side of it, but just the fact that you know the Oilers didn't want to send Drysaddle back to Prince Albert. They wanted to send him to Kelowna because Kelowna's a good team and they're going to make a run. He's going to have opportunity to play against good teams, and he played the Memorial Cup that year. So, and turns out in retrospect, it's worked out pretty good for Drysaddle. So hey, there you go. Everybody wins except for yeah, except for the Western Conference Finals that year. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But we digress, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the point of these long-form shows, and as opposed to, uh, you know, a guy that has a, a website with, uh, you know, uh, written content, and uh, and you do, and, and do you have uh, anything exciting coming up for the, the listeners of Bucklandia to keep an eye on out there on PNW Hockey Talk? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, obviously I'll be back in the rink uh, on Friday. I'm looking forward to, uh, I think I will actually be, uh, got some, some some pieces to still work out, but uh, it sounds like I might be joining Marlon Muttons on the, uh, the Victoria Royals uh, color commentary broadcast. Uh, so, may not be quite on press row quite yet, but I, I'll be back in the rink, which I'm looking forward to, and being able to talk with, with Mike Johnson. I know I had really wanted to try and connect with him on after that that goal in, in Regina, but um, just kind, yeah, just kind of what? Oh, I was just I was just cussing that goal in Regina. That was just oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, yeah, uh, you know, because I, I would I still do want to try and be able to to get a quote from him and just understand exactly what happened. But um, and and I'll obviously post that on PW Hockey Talk once once I get that answer and have a chance to to connect with with him again. But uh, I am uh, hoping to be able to connect with uh, a beat reporter out in, in Minnesota uh, in a, a connection that, that I have and uh, someone who's seen Chaz Lucius play um, and has followed his career for, for years, not just the last two years, but, but beyond that, uh, you know, he had committed to the University of Minnesota at a, at a really young age and um, was one of the, the players that, you know, made the NCAA take a look and say, hey, we need to kind of change our rules on how soon these kids can commit to, to colleges and, and things like that. And, you know, I know both the NCAA and the and the WHL have made some modifications to, what, you know, what can happen to, to, to young players. But, um, you know, this guy is, he's covered, uh, you know, Lucius or, or has followed him for, you know, for many, many years. And, and I don't think there's a guy out there that knows more about Lucius's game than, than him and uh, his name's Eric Vigo and uh, he writes and, and covers for, for a website called Gopher Puck Live out in, in Minnesota and um, I'll be connecting with him tomorrow uh, on I guess uh, Tuesday for since tomorrow could be whenever you're listening to this episode but I'll be connecting with him on, on Tuesday and uh, you know depending upon how that, how that conversation goes we might try and pull some audio and uh, you know include it on a Puck Landy episode if, if we can if I can get that audio over to you if I can figure out the technical side i know you do wonderful work with that audio so we'll see if we can maybe try and get it for those loyal pucklandia listeners but um there for sure will be something on pnw hockey talk featuring 
um, and kind of introducing Chaz Lucius, uh, waiting to hear if there's going to be a press conference, uh, kind of introducing him to the, the Portland media as well. Well, you know, I know the team was off today, and so uh, everyone will kind of get back in the office tomorrow, get kind of an idea of, of what that's going to look like. So uh, stay tuned for, for some stuff there. I've got a couple other, uh, I've got a player feature I'm working on, a uh, staff member, uh, play, uh, staff profile that'll come out. Uh, one of those kind of names that's behind the scenes but does a, a lot of good work and uh, trying to really highlight some of, some of those guys. But, yeah, the, the Lucius thing is going to be kind of the priority for, for this week, and uh, hopefully the fans will be able to kind of tune into that. And um, I know, I know, Chad, we've got a couple of uh, um, kind of weekend games here. Is there an opportunity for, for Portland fans to maybe kind of take advantage of, a, um, you know, a, of an opportunity that um, a local establishment to, has offered? Yeah, I like where you're going with that, Josh. Um, yeah, so obviously the uh, we've been here at Pucklandia Podcast. We've been working with uh, uh, Cartside, which is a cart pod just immediately north of the uh, Glass Palace. There, it's on uh, on Williams. Just um, basically the the it's just just on the north side of uh, Broadway. And uh, there's a couple of carts there, you know, different uh, variety for uh, food carts, but there's a cantina. And if you mention that you listen to the Pucklandia podcast, uh, there's a happy hour pricing for uh, for listeners of the show, which is a pretty good deal in my opinion. There's a lot of a lot of nice craft beers in there. There's uh, you know cocktails and, and and things of that nature. They they rotate out the craft beers quite a bit, so there's a it's always something different, you know. I mean, it's sometimes there's a week between games, and there'll be a whole different lineup of of uh, of, of beers available. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty sweet deal. They've been working with us, and and they like to have uh, they like to have the hockey fans in there on the way to the games. So if you're if you are going to the games here on Friday and Saturday, it's a it's a good opportunity to to, to do a little pregame and and uh, and and I would encourage you to 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 take advantage of it. And uh, and I appreciate you setting me up on that, Josh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I was always more of a playmaker than a scorer myself, but uh, uh, they uh, or even on the, the next Monday, right? Like there's the that afternoon game, the the noon start uh, next Monday. You know, when you're done with the game, you know, swing on over to, to you know uh, out there and and take a look at what, at what they've got. You're already you know three quarters of the way down there, so um, you know, or maybe even further depending upon where you live. So yeah, I know I'll be uh, trying to check them out as soon as I can. So um, yeah, it's it's always nice to you know. The, the, these people put on, you know, there's, you know, we've had, you know, different sponsors and stuff that have kind of rolled through and kind of support stuff. And, you know, no one here is trying to do anything to, you know, you know, we're not trying to, you know, uh, we're not trying to pay our mortgage with any of this stuff. But, you know, it, anytime you can support those that are, uh, you know, providing stuff is, is always the, the best, you know, the best thing you can do. So, um, you know, hopefully fans are able to kind of take advantage of, of that opportunity. What, what was the, what was the the, the 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 going bald hair hair stuff in the in the eighties? I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, not only a, a customer, I'm also the president or president, I'm a <laughs> member, whatever whatever it was. Yeah, I spent six months in the eighties, and most of it was crying. So <laughs> I I can't I can't really say. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't really know much on that one, so I'll have to defer to you on that one. Yeah, well, whatever it was, I mean, I I, I spent a year, um, you know, uh, field testing. At, uh, at at this particular location before I brought them on to uh, to to be a part of the Pucklandia family, so uh, so I, I I can assure you they have a quality product is kind of my point. So 
Per- perfect. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's it's always good talking hockey with you, Chad. Um, and hopefully, we'll you know I'm excited to be back in the rink. Uh, hope, hopefully fans come out and kind of support this team and, and, and take a look at, uh, at what's, you know, they, they've got a lot of, you know, different promotions and things towards the end of the year. And, uh, you know, it'll it'll start to, you know, kind of ramp up here pretty quickly. So, you know, get out here, support support your uh, your team and and uh, you know, to take take advantage of some of the, the cool opportunities to that we have here in this town with, with uh, having the Winterhawks. Yeah. Well, and where we started too. I mean, it, it, with this episode, that, that uh, you know, I think that listeners to the show, and I know the readers of 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 your written word, I know that we, uh, you know, we we support you and want want the best for you, Josh. So. Yeah. Appreciate it, Chad. So. Uh, yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right. Thanks, man.